when economists become meteorologists, that's when you know there's trouble in the economy, real trouble in the economy. Think back to 2014, January 2014, the polar vortex. The U.S. was supposed to be accelerating and taking off into recovery, but instead it stumbled. QE's three and four, they had been tapered and there'd been talk about needing to cut it off because acceleration recovery was supposed to happen. Yet that year, 2014, began very badly. But then it happened again, 2015. Again, talk of the best jobs market in, decade in, 20, in decades in 2014, terminating QE because this, the U.S. was about to overheat and, and risk inflation, rate hikes, all that stuff that were coming in 2015. But that year started out badly too. What did economists blame? Did they look inward and say, maybe we're wrong about these things? Maybe our models don't actually produce an accurate picture of the economy? Nah, they blamed the weather. It was too cold. They even went so far as to blame the statistics. They, they antagonized the Bureau of Economic Analysis until it recalculated its statistical imputations, something they called residual seasonality. They never want to admit that their picture of the economy is just plain wrong. And the reason I bring this up is because, first of all, we have to talk about the FOMC because today's the FOMC meeting and we're led to believe this is the most important thing on planet Earth when it's not. And one of the reasons it's not is because these people don't really know what they're talking about when it comes to the economy. And that means a whole lot of things. It means they don't really understand inflation, nor do they understand the underlying fundamentals. And to, the, to that end, the fundamentals, we got a little bit of data today. We got jobs data in particular. The ADP report, its estimate of private payrolls came out exceptionally weak. They weren't negative, but it was only 106,000 gain, one of the lowest since the lowest since the 20 since the uh, I think it was February 2021 when we got cold weather and of course ADP blames this low level this low number in January 2023 on well here's what they say employment was soft during January 12th reference week as the U.S. was hit with extreme weather California was coping with record floods and back-to-back -back storms delivered ice and snow to the central and eastern U.S. Nella Richardson's ADP's chief economist added, In January, we saw the impact of weather-related disruptions on employment during our reference week. Hiring was stronger during, during other weeks of the month, in line with the strength we saw late last year. Strong, 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 strong cold weather. Now, of course, the ADP wasn't the only labor data that came out today. We also got jolts. And jolts, as Janet Yellen famously pointed out, back in 2014, sits atop the Fed's so-called labor market inflation dashboard, a particular data series in jolts called job openings, a proxy for demand for labor. And job openings in the month of, of January, supposedly, or is this December? This goes back to December, excuse me. Job openings in December when everything else seemed to collapse, retail sales were down, imports way down, all this stuff, job openings surged to more than 11 million yet again. We live in a clown world, and Jay Powell is its chief clown because the FOMC meeting today is going to care more about jolts and the weather than everything else that suggests that maybe it's not the weather that's a problem here, nor was it ever inflation. But first, 
I'm Jeff. This is Eurodollar University. Thank you very much for joining me. If you're interested, we have memberships available at our website where we have exclusive video and content, Q&A video, which I just finished uh, doing the voiceover today, Q&A number 28, I believe. All that stuff is available for, for Eurodollar University members, as well as there are research subscriptions, a daily briefing I put together, the day's most important macro topics, as well as some commentary on what's going on, what I believe is important in the marketplace that you need to know every day, daily briefing, partnership with Markets Insider Pro. And of course, we have the deep dive analysis where, as the name implies, we dive deep behind the, the scenes and into the data, into the details, into the history, the fundamentals of money and its implications on the economy, as well as markets, as well as your daily life. All the information mark at uh, eurodollar.university and Markets Insider Pro too. The Federal Reserve, as well as just mainstream economics, we don't really need to speak specifically about the Federal Reserve, but the Federal Reserve is staffed entirely by mainstream economics economists. So it's one in the same. These terms are really interchangeable. What we're really talking about here is modern economics. And modern economics has a very backwards view of the 1970s in particular. They have a version of what happened in the 1970s that is based upon incomplete information about the key component to any inflationary period. Inflation is always and everywhere a monetary phenomenon. But if you have no idea what's going on in the monetary system, it's incredibly difficult to understand inflation or deflation for that matter because both are two different symptoms of the same disease, monetary imbalance. Inflation, you've got too much money. Deflation, you have not enough. But if you can't monitor the monetary system, then how do you know which one is which? How do you know what's actually going on? Well, what the Federal Reserve has to do, as mainstream economists have told it and put into their econometric models, they have to look at economic aggregates and start backwards. They say if inflation consumer prices have gone up, maybe then we know that there has been already an imbalance in the monetary system. Ironically, they don't go the other way with deflation, though. Given that, given that putting the cart before the horse here type of situation, that means it has all sorts of implications, not just for policy, but also public discourse on what's really going on. Confusion reigns because we don't really have a direct way to monitor and understand the events as they unfold. What is really driving all of these things that we see, including in 2023, are consumer prices rising or is consumer prices falling? Because it really should be about either there's too much money or there's not too much money. And if there's not too much money, consumer prices are rising, then we know they're going to be falling at some point anyway, supply shock case. But looking back at the 1970s, again, starting from the, from, from the perspective of incomplete monetary information, economists have developed a different view of, of especially some of, some of the unique characteristics of that period. Let's start with August of 1971 to show you exactly what I mean here. In August of 1971, people hear that month and they immediately think, ah, Nixon and the gold window. And that's partly true. But the closing down of convertibility, ending convertibility of the U.S. dollar on foreign exchange, the, the, the official end of Bretton Woods was actually a very small part of what happened in August of 1971. Nixon's plans for 
wrestling control of inflation sound pretty familiar to what we're talking about today. It was really about wage and price controls. The, uh, the entity of convertibility was, was a small issue because, don't want to get into the debate here, the euro dollar system had already undertaken the roles of reserve currency decades beforehand. Convertibility was a small issue by that time anyway. And because of that, because of, again, the monetary system moving in another direction, these people were totally lost when it came to inflation. Um, this is in August 1971, Arthur Burns, who was the Federal Reserve Chairman at the time, was forced to go up in front of Congress and testify about all of these things, including the fact by then the Great Inflation was already half a decade old, maybe six, depending on where you date the start, five or six years old by that time. And what was really perplexing about it was under the old way of thinking, under the under the standard traditional econ economics that dominated the time, the theory at the time, the thoughts at the time, what they expected was there was a recession and a pretty bad one in 69 and 70. And so we had consumer price pressures rise to the latter half of the 60s. Then we had this recession, which many at the Federal Reserve and as well as economists thought, okay, that's it for inflation. Inflation's done. We've got a, a tremendous amount of macroeconomic slack created by this contraction that will take care of our consumer price problem. But by, by August 1971, it was already clear that wasn't the case. For reasons they couldn't really identify, because they don't do what everybody thinks they do, suddenly inflation came roaring back. And this was genuine inflation. This was we had the recession where consumer prices dipped down a little bit. They didn't fall. Consumer price increases reduced. And then they accelerated again outside as the 1970 recession drew to a close. And we started recovering in 1971. Consumer price pressures were back and then some. Which again, this sounds very familiar to what you, when, when you hear officials talk about, especially at the Federal Reserve, what they're talking about with needing to hold rate hikes high and keep them higher for longer. This is what they mean. They're saying that we don't want to be at risk like the early 1970s where, yes, maybe we do go through recession, but then consumer prices come right back. But why do consumer prices come right back? Why did they in the 1970s? Well, Arthur Burns had no idea. And here's a quote from when he testified in Congress. A year or two ago, it was generally expected that extensive slack in resource use, such as we have been experiencing, would lead to significant moderation in the inflationary spiral. This has not happened either here or abroad. Global money? The rules of, eco eco the rules of economics are not working in quite the way they used to. Now, what many in the Federal Reserve, those who were not really listened to, were saying is that, you know, there's this money running around the rest of the world called Eurodollar. Maybe we should consider that. But the economists and politicians and policymakers said, no, nah, it can't be money. It's got to be about wages. It's got to be about this new theory on expectations. Now, they didn't believe they, they applied the expectations theory later down the road, looking backward, but they were searching for answers in all the wrong places. And that included at the White House, because in October 1971, Arthur Burns was invited to the Nixon White House to have a discussion with the president, with the president as he was thinking ahead toward his reelection, because of course that, that bastard would only think about his reelection. And believe it or not, and this is recorded on one of those infamous Oval Office tapes from Nixon White House, this is conversation number 607-11, 
Arthur Burns told the president, we might have to do something here because it does seem to be, or at least we have to consider the fact that this inflation that has, has overwhelmed the rules of economics might actually be there's might actually be there's too much money out there. As he said, some influential voices at the time were suggesting that liquidity, quote, had gone wild. The president said, no, no, no. I've been talking to George Schultz, who's my budget director, and he said that, forgive my language here, I'm quoting from the tapes, the liquidity problem was just bullshit. That's what Nixon told Burns. And of course, the rest of Arthur Burns' uh, tenure at the Federal Reserve would be a disaster because it seems as if he fell in line with what Nixon was telling him. Even though his people were saying maybe there's a monetary problem, the politicians, they didn't want the Federal Reserve to do anything about inflation, lest it jeopardize Nixon's re-election in 72. But why had inflation reignited? Was it really wages as Nixon? Because that's what because that's what the government did in August of 1971. They implemented price boards and wage controls because they were convinced they were these macroeconomic factors that were driving consumer prices, when in fact that was not the case. It really was this Eurodollar money and bank expansion that had gone completely wild. What economists have said in the modern day, looking backward, without that Eurodollar to explain it, well, they thought maybe it was expectations. Maybe it was the reason that consumer price pressures restarted after the 69-70 recession was because consumers and businesses had become adjusted to, to believing that inflation is a permanent part of the economic landscape. And so expectations became unanchored. Without understanding the monetary problem, they went into this psychological mumbo-jumbo mode. Okay, it was, we don't know why consumer price pressures, consumer prices themselves accelerated after what should have been the end of inflation. So we'll believe that consumers themselves are to blame? No, the, the answer was the underlying monetary imbalance was not solved by a temporary recession in 69 and 70, nor in 73, 74, or 75. The same thing would happen. And so the economists looked back at 73 and 74 and 75, the recession that hit there, and said it must be expectations when all along it was uncontrolled monetary expansion, most of which happened outside the United States. As Burns said, this has not happened. The end of the inflationary spiral has not happened either here or abroad because it was global monetary expansion. But money is not what economists and central bankers do. They do psychology. So as the FOMC gathers today, they might understand and appreciate that there are recession risks, but those are not the guiding factors in making their policy decision. Instead, they're concerned about this other explanation they have for the 1970s, this incorrect, really absurd explanation, this clown show of a theory about how inflation works. They're more concerned that we could be just like 1970, in 2024, it could be like 1971, where we're looking backwards and saying, we had this massive recession in 23, but it didn't end the inflationary pressures because they don't understand what inflation is really about. In lieu of that monetary understanding, 
They're more concerned about expectations. Thus, this, this idea of raising rates and keeping them high for longer. Jay Powell doesn't want to become Arthur Burns. The problem with that is, again, that's not how inflation works. But more than that, we're likely to have the recession anyway. And so what the markets are doing, the markets are looking at this garbage policy, this garbage understanding that the Federal Reserve and economists use and saying that's just completely wrong. And what's going to happen is we're going to have the recession and it's probably going to be bad enough that economists at the Federal Reserve are going to say, we need to forget all this inflation expectations nonsense and start cutting rates, even though just a couple months ago, we said we would never do that because we're more concerned about expectations. In other words, reality is likely to intrude upon this expectations nonsense in the very near future. And we got a taste of that reality today, another taste of that reality, not just in the ADP number, also ADP's economists acting like meteorologists, which as I said, that's a clue too. We also got the ISM's manufacturing number. The ISM's manufacturing has been a dependable signal. And the one part of the ISM manufacturer that's most dependable is new orders. Okay, the headline ISM fell to 47.4 from 48.4. That's already a low number. Employment was still on the plus side of 50, but 50.6 down from 50.8. Those aren't really good employment numbers, even if they don't suggest widespread mass layoffs. Those are coming. We know they're coming because the new orders number fell to 42 and a half. New orders, future business, forward looking, 42 and a half. How bad is 42 and a half? Well, first of all, it's down more than two points from 45.1 in December, but 42 and a half for January is about the same as March of 2020. In fact, in the last 20, in the 21st century, 42 and a half is among the handful of months at that low level or down to that low level. You've got March, April, and May 2020 that are worse, which those are severe lockdowns in the US. Uh, we've got starting with September 2008, the seven worst months of the so-called Great Recession. And then apart from those, we've got October 2001, the month following the September 11th attacks. That's it. Those are the worst, those are the only months in the 21st century in terms of ISM new orders that are lower than what we see for January 2023. So the Fed is worried about expectations, misunderstanding inflation, not keeping its eye on money. And the markets are dead certain that at some point in the near future, the reality of recession absent inflationary money is going to overwhelm even their psychological nonsense, clown show, whatever you want to call it. It isn't, it isn't small e economics. I'm Jeff. This is Eurodollar University. Thank you very much for joining me. As always, a huge thank you to Eurodollar University members and, of course, all the research subscribers as well. Again, thank you very much for all of your support. I really appreciate it. And until next time, take care.